chillin' and a you will hear about the eliminating of the negative and a accent on a positive. And gather round me, chillin', if you're willing, and sit tight while I start reviewing the attitude of doing right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, The Joyful Frugalista, and now here's your host, Serena Bird. This podcast is sponsored by Fordata, a Canberra-based company that is committed to ensuring business owners have reliable and professional IT services. I'm a client of Fordata. I use their website hosting services, and I'm also reducing my email spam with their secure email hosting service. As a special offer to the Joyful Frugalista podcaster listeners, Fordata will provide, wherever you are, website hosting at $12 a month and up to two hours initial free migration service, valued at $300. Find them online at number 4data.com.au. 4data, they fix IT. I just wanted to let you know that my next course, Six Weeks to Abundance with the Joyful Frugalista, starts the week of the 19th of October. To book in for that, there are limited places. Please go to my website, www.joyfulfrugalista.com. Look for the shop and sign up. I would really love to have you on board. It's such a transformative course. It's run over six weeks with Zoom, a Facebook group, and other course materials. Hello, Frugalistas, and welcome. Today, I have a very special guest. Welcome, Francis. Thank you so much for having me on, Serena. It's delightful to be here. Well, it's totally my pleasure. Frances Crimmins is well known to many people in Canberra because she plays an especially active role in campaigning for women. She serves as Chief Executive Officer of the YWCA Canberra, and she also volunteers on several boards, including the National Older Women's Housing and Homelessness Working Group and Homelessness Australia and ACTCOS. ACT Council of Social Services. Welcome once again, Frances. Thank you. Why are you so drawn to wanting to champion women? I think from a very early age, I identified as a feminist growing up in a regional area, very close to Canberra, that there wasn't as many opportunities for girls in schools. It used to be the boys used to be selected to go off and play rugby and there wasn't anything for the girls and I can remember being distinctly told girls couldn't play rugby then. I'm so delighted girls are playing rugby today. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess just growing up and always feeling that there wasn't as many opportunities and then having an opportunity when I eventually did to travel and going to places like India and really seeing that gender disparity very clearly but then coming back to my own community and seeing the same issues here with your eyes open wide going, actually, women experience economic insecurity here, gendered violence, access to leadership roles is here in my community. I was really keen to play an active role in this space, in my community that I love. It is everywhere. And I don't know about you, but I went to an all-girls high school where we were really taught that women could do anything and everything. It was very empowering. And I actually didn't think that gender-based discrimination existed. Ha! Huh, that was a bit of a shock when I went into the real world with, with my first job as an analyst in the Department of Defence. And when it did actually hit me, I wasn't prepared for it. I didn't feel that I had any tools because I just didn't think it existed in this day and age. And that's something that young women tell us today. We did a survey late last year 
that over 1,100 Canberra women participated in that we've called Our Lives for Canberra Women, that we wanted to align beside the Bureau of Statistic data that shows we're the most highly educated community, that we're the most highly remunerated, that we participate more recreationally and have more leisure time. But when you actually ask Canberra women what their lives are like, so many young women, in fact, over 76% talked about experiencing sexual harassment, and most of that was in the workplace. Really? That, that, that high? high? That high, and sexual discrimination. It's something that we just, I don't believe we're actually seeing any true reduction in this area around, I guess, gender discrimination. And it's something that as a community, I don't think we've really ready to, well, we seem to not want to progress. I don't know why, <laughs> but that's, so that's what I'm so passionate about, making sure that we don't forget that we actually haven't got a gender equitable community in a place like Canberra, one of the wealthiest cities in Australia, in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. So why is that? Mm. I know there's been a lot that's been written about the gender pay gap, and that's something that you're quite across. And we're seeing it more so than ever now, aren't we, with this pink recession, the she-session? Yes, look, we are. And while ACT has the lowest gender pay gap, we still have a gender pay gap. And in Australia, you know, when you see that over in Western Australia, the last gender pay gap, theirs is like 22%. We are 22%. 22%. And in the ACT, it's dropped to 12 Across the country, that's where we, we still don't have gender parity in terms of equal pay. YWCA Canberra, we're really proud to be a workplace gender diversity accredited organisation by the statutory authority. We're the only organisation that employs over 100 people to hold that citation in Canberra. Wow, that's quite significant. So <laughs> it's not necessarily something that's that hard. It's basic policies like access to paid parental leave, transparency in your gender pay that you're actively every year comparing the pay that men and women have and publishing that to your staff. Transparency is huge, isn't it? Like Transparency often, is You have huge. no idea what an, a man doing the same job earns relative to you. You just don't talk about it. We're socialised not to talk about these things. Yeah, we are. And I think any employees should ask about that transparency. Under the law, if, if your employer has over 100 people employed, they actually have to do, undertake this exercise to be compliant with the Workplace Gender Equality Compliance Report. And if they're not reporting, call it out. <laughs> they, they have to be by law. I had no idea. Mm. I had no idea. I mean, mind you, most of my career has been in the public service, so it's a bit different because the, what people are usually paid based on the level that they are. But still, there'd be a lot of companies out there that have more than 100 people where I'm sure they don't know what their colleagues are being paid relative to yeah, what they're being paid. that's correct. So that's what one of the steps I think we need to take if we're going to have gender equal pay. And it's just not acceptable that women earn, on average, I think it's $253 less a week than men. That's That cumulative startling. effect over your lifetime and then the impact of your superannuation over your lifetime really leaves women with significantly less superannuation at retirement. Mm, that is huge. And I know some people say, oh, but women choose to work in industries where they're getting less pay, but they do it because they love it. They love being hairdressers and teachers and nurses. Yeah, and again, that's, that's that historical basis that women's work wasn't valued. If you actually go back to the starting point of nursing, teaching, early childhood education, and the dollar value we placed on that, so we do need to see a resetting of this. And so the equal remuneration order for the community sector, that was one that showed there was a gender disparagement. 
We need to have that applied across all occupations that have that gender disparity because there shouldn't be a gender disparity. And people often say, oh, well, you know, we're going to encourage more women to get into engineering and then they can earn more. Well, I say, well, I'd like to encourage more men to get into nursing and early learning education. And there has been studies to show the more men enter those professions, funny thing happens, the base salary increases. It is fascinating. (laughs) And yeah, you're right, because we do need more men in these professions as well. Mm. I know my sons really benefit from having male teachers as well as female teachers. Mm. But it's just different. If all you have is female teachers, it's just a different experience. Yeah, and I think men totally benefit from this. There shouldn't be these pipelines of employment based on your gender. I think of gender as a spectrum (laughs) and I think if we really want to encourage men to get out of that binary role that sadly I think we do lock men into in Australia still. The idea of being a carer I think is something that many men would embrace. Mm, Well I think they are starting to. Mm. I think it's starting to shift. I don't have the stats but I just know that I know many male friends who really rejoice in spending time with their children especially when they're younger. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something else we'd love to see all employers embrace, that men have equal access to parental leave to give them the opportunity to be the primary carer. It must be hard when these people are stereotyped in, well, you're the man, you're working full time, you're the provider. Yeah. And look, there's some great studies around the world. We particularly always look to the Nordic countries, but you can actually see the countries that have policies that have paid parental leave that are pegged to, if you want the same paid parental leave, like the mother can have three months, but only if the father also has three months. That's the way they're starting to see the change in countries like that. And they're starting to build that longitudinal study that actually shows the benefits to the whole community and the whole family of having that shared caring role. So these are things I don't think shouldn't be hard for a country as wealthy as Australia to embrace these policies. I actually wanted to go back a little bit and talk about or get you to talk about what the YWCA does. Now, of course, a lot of people have heard of the YMCA. Disco diehards and people at weddings have heard all about the Village People song. It's sort of ingrained in their brain. But YWCA, what is it? What does it do? Yeah, so look, YWCA does have a song. It just was never as catchy as the Village People (laughs) one, unfortunately. But YWCA has actually was formed about the same time as YMCA. YWCAs have operated in Australia for 140 years and YWCA Canberra has operated in Canberra for 90 years. In 1929, YWCAs are grassroots organisations led by women for women in their communities. And the YWCA of Canberra was actually asked to establish here in the 1920s for when all those young single women were moving to Canberra to support the work of government. And YWCA established as a place to provide safe accommodation, social engagements to engage young women when they weren't at work. So that's how we came to Canberra. And in fact, it was the YWCA who invited YMCA in the 1930s when they could see the same need for young men who were also moving here. We shared our offices with them, not me personally, Mm -hmm. clearly, but they invited YMCA to establish. So that's how both organisations are here and why we be separate entities. But we have got a shared history of coming to Canberra to support the young people coming here to establish Canberra as the capital. It must have been quite daunting for single young women in the 1920s to come to the nation's capital when there wasn't really a lot here and to come here by themselves. 
a beautiful history book. They produced a history book of 80 years history and some of the hostels that were operated by YWCA. The Una Porter Centre is now where King O'Malley's is. People would recognise that building from King O'Malley's. <laughs> but that used to be the hostel and they used to hold social dances down there. And then they used to run the first time, they used to call it stay-at-home camps for women had children and wanted something for children to do in the school holidays. And thousands of children would come into that civic area in the 1960s to participate in stay-at-home camps. Wow. So the organisation has always been here responding to the needs of women and their families. And that's what we've continued to do today. And housing, particularly housing and accessible childcare and school age care and be holiday care is pivotal to what we provide today. Well, let's talk about housing then, because I know Mm -hmm. that's an issue that you are very passionate about. What is happening with women and housing, especially as women age? Look, sadly, Canberra, the community I guess I grew up in, and I can remember when I turned 19, I could afford a bed seat at 19, working full-time in hospitality. I think a young person today can't do that in the ACT. And so I think what's happened over time is we just have not thought about affordable housing. And so what we see in our services, particularly our housing homeless services, the impacts of gendered violence, domestic and family violence, Mm -hmm. is a key driver of homelessness for women and their children, but also older women. And we call this, the, I guess, the hidden face of homelessness. Because older women and women do tend to hide their homelessness because they have dignity, they have pride, but they're also concerned about their safety. And so that's why you may not see as many women fronting up to a homeless service or as visible on the streets because they will do everything they can to hide that. And some of the things women will do to hide that is whether they're utilising their car, couch surfing with a friend. We find a lot of women might be professional house sitters. Mm-hmm. In between, they might use Airbnb, an affordable Airbnb, before the next house sit comes up. And what COVID's really uncovered is, as all of us have been forced back into our own homes and told to self-isolate and we're not doing that travel, these women have become more at risk because we just don't have that opportunity to have, I guess, temporary roof over your head. Mm. And so it's not having control over a tenancy. They just look like every day you wouldn't pick them out as being a rough sleeper. You may not even know they're homeless, but technically they are homeless because they don't have control of their tenancy and that makes them very, very vulnerable. How can you then help a cohort of women who are invisible? We have a program called Next Door which we actually try to distribute across information on that, like Access ACT advertise that in libraries. We get it out in organisations. If you actually do think you know an older woman who might need support, that it can be done in a way that allows them dignity and privacy. And our staff work on an outreach model, so our staff will go to them. And whether that's a first informal meeting in a cafe that's what we will do to reach out to these women. And we have a lot of people referring older women to this service. And this service can help them if they're to maintain a tenancy, but also help them find an appropriate affordable tenancy. And in its first 12 months, we've supported over 80 older women. And as I said, COVID really uncovered a large cohort who had very temporary tenancies and COVID resulted in them having to leave those tenancies. Some of them have shared their stories with us on our website and they've really had conventional lives. They've been 
caregivers, their mothers, their grandmothers, could be your sister, your aunt. They've been told that to leave the finances to their husband, as we were told many, many Mm -hmm. years ago. They might have had part-time work and very few have a substantial superannuation savings. So -hmm. that's, I guess, that we would say that's accumulation of gender equity on your life, gender equality, that has led to this. And sadly, I don't think we're doing anything to stop that trajectory. It's sad because I guess a lot of people have this sense of karma that they're doing the right thing, they're caring for other people, they're raising children, they're being a good wife, a mother and that somehow the karma is going to come and look after them in their old age, but it doesn't always. No, it doesn't. I guess what we're trying to do is bring this to the forefront to make this people aware in Canberra that this is a real issue. We think it's um, very underreported, and particularly in our survey, that cohort of 1,100 women, so many expressed in that that their financial security was incredibly at risk, that they were one pay cycle if they had employment or just one ill health episode that would put them in the category of being homeless. We are really trying to work for, I guess, innovative solutions. We think there is enough houses in Canberra if we can access them at affordable rent. That's why we started up our program RentWell, which allows us to take investment owners, so it could be mum and dad investor might have a unit. If you lease this through RentWell at below 75% market rate, you can be exempt from land tax, which is a significant amount of money. (laughs) And we've also got this linked to our charitable status. And so you get a deductible gift receipt for the rental income you forego. So just say you're in a position to reduce your rent by $100 a week, you'll get your land tax exemption, plus you'll get a donation receipt of $5,200 for that year. That sounds like quite a good scheme. Yeah, and look, it pretty much balances out. There's no windfalls here. This isn't a tax break for people who have more money for those who don't. It basically works out to be the same. We've done the modelling on that. And what we're looking for is more philanthropic, I guess, property owners who would like to know that they're going to house somebody who hasn't been as fortunate as them. And so far, we're up to 35 homes. And it's been really successful matching somebody to a property within their income bracket at no more than 30% of their income. As I say, an amazing thing happens. People can pay their rent then. (laughs) There's very few people who enter a lease agreement with the intent of not paying rent. It's when their income disappears and they have no income. Exactly. And 30% seems to be the magic number, doesn't it, when we're talking about housing stress? When we match people to our rental properties, we do that work with both the tenant and the property owner to make sure we are matching the right tenant to your property and that they have the income that can sustain that tenancy for you. Yeah, which is really important, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's far less stressful for landlords too when they know that their tenant can actually pay and they don't have to stress about that. Look, we're so confident that we actually guarantee we'll pay your rent. (laughs) So we actually lease the property and pay your rent weekly for you. And since the program, its first year anniversary was made this year, not one of our tenants has defaulted on rent. Because again, people have pride. People want to have a home that they know they can set up as their home. It's just sadly when we see impacts when people lose their employment. I think we're going to have another peak when we see a drop of job keeper and job seeker, sadly. Mm. And I also think we're going to have more people fall into this category of not being able to afford market rent here in the ACT. I think we'll see the demand increase. The pressure on an older woman then, if you're not working, 
and you have very little savings is you're now competing in a even smaller market pool with somebody who might have a part-time job, for example, and a younger person. Mm. That's where RentWell allows us to take away that level of discrimination when you're being obsessed in the market for private rental. And it's based on matching us, as I said, the need, somebody's need, to the appropriate property. It sounds like something very pragmatic that you're doing. And you touched on something earlier too, which was superannuation. Mm. What's happening with women and superannuation? Superannuation balances, people think that the cliff that we hit when superannuation was designed and many women didn't have access to superannuation, that's still not the case. When women take unpaid leave from work for parenting reasons or caring for elderly parents like a lot of us need to, they're not getting superannuation. We know that superannuation was designed for somebody who works full-time for their whole adult life until full, retirement. Full-time with an employer. Full-time with an employer, correct. And look, I could say it was a system designed by men based on the way men worked. If you're somebody who has carer's responsibility, you're obviously going to come in and out of that. And that's often at a time in your 30s when that cumulative interest and investment on your superannuation in your 30s is the best time for your superannuation to start increasing. I'm really concerned when I saw the huge numbers of people withdrawing their superannuation balances and we know it's in that younger cohort. And I've heard so many of these younger cohorts say, but I'll make it up. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to make it up when things get better. Sadly, I don't think that will be the case. And again, the case for women, if they end up taking time out of the workforce to have a family and there's not that equal care responsibility that's shared with the other partner, or you might be in a position where you're a single parent family, you're not going to have that time to make up that shortfall. So I really am concerned that we're just not doing anything to change the trajectory of women having significantly lower superannuation balances and retiring into poverty. This is a huge issue. As you know, I'm on record for recently having withdrawn a small amount from my super for very strategic reasons. I'm Definitely superannuation. I see how powerful it is. Most of my wealth is built through super. And same with my husband too. Both of us have very good Commonwealth government related superannuation schemes. I did, however, have a second, much smaller super scheme, which I had been building up through salary sacrifice. And I kind of figured, well, we're on uncertain times ahead. I am in a COVID affected business. I might take some out just to give myself a buffer if things happen. I haven't spent it on cosmetic surgery or a um, holiday or pizzas or anything like a lot of the negative reporting suggests. And I think too, in part, I was just curious because nearly everyone I met was talking about how they were taking money out of super. And I was a little bit shocked, to be honest. People who I thought might have had better financial sense were doing it. Like I said, in my case, I still had a lot of super. So this was, it's like taking, you know, a dollar or two out of a piggy bank. It wasn't huge. But it was so quick and easy to take out. I was shocked at how quick and easy it was to take out. Yeah, and I can understand and have empathy for people who feel they have no other choice. I think, however, that allowing people to do this, we should have had an alternate safety net for those people and asking them to use their savings, that is for their retirement now, I, I guess that, that concerns me and there should have been other safety nets put in place for those people. That meant that they wouldn't lose their house, whether it was mortgage stress or rental stress, and asking them to use their own savings for their retirement, that's uh, certainly not a policy position that 
we would endorse as YWCA, particularly when we know the low balances women have already. Exactly. A lot of women do have low balances. Mm. And that was before going into 2020 bushfires, COVID, hailstorms and everything else that we've been dealing (laughs) with in Canberra. Let's talk then about this pink recession and this she recession. How are women being disadvantaged? I think a lot of the sectors that have been impacted, initially retail, hospitality and tourism, are sectors that employ a large number of women. Women, for if they're employed in part-time capacity, have also picked up the burden, particularly when we were all forced to do homeschooling mm-hmm. and people working in home and trying to do homeschooling and opting to be that person again. So that's where the pink recession is really hitting. And some of the policies coming out of that, like I believe we're going to see the tax cuts rolled forward early, but they're for high income earners. And again, with no gendered analysis on budget happening that used to happen at the Commonwealth Government, if you had looked at that policy, you would see the main recipients are men. Mm. While we're not doing this proper gender analysis on budget decisions and policies, it should all be focused on supporting women because none of these policies that are being rolled out at the moment are having any positive impacts. We would have hoped that knowing that women and, and there's lots of been lots of studies, Deloitte, a lot of people have released factual information to show how this is impacting on women. I don't have all the data in front of me. The response out of this needs to have a gendered lens. Mm-hmm. And without that, you're not going to really have a full understanding of how that policy is impacting women. And I think the conversation around access to childcare or early learning education is absolutely one of those critical policies that needs to have that gendered lens on it. Childcare is so vital for the future of our country and education up to children. Those first five years are so important. We do also know that it does allow women to access work, time to go to work as well. So it has a twofold effect. We need to be investing in children and their education, but also affordable. And for me, totally would support if it was free. But as an employer of over 200 primarily women who work in this, we need to give them a professional wage as well. It shouldn't be at the expense of those women who are working in this sector, supporting other women to work. So we really have to have a proper discussion about what this means when people say it should be free. We support universal access for all children in this climate, but making sure that remembering the workforce is primarily women. In the ACT, that's about 6,000 people work in this sector. Especially in Canberra too, because a lot of people move here from work and they don't have family support. That's right. And it has to be affordable. It has to be accessible. It's just so vital for, as I keep saying, children and the women who work in that sector to support other people to be able to do their their work. I think there's been a traditional view sometimes that it's cruel for children to go to childcare. They should be home with their mums in the kitchen. I know a lot of people do choose to be stay-at-home mums or to even homeschool their kids, but I'm shocked sometimes that they're still this conventional view that somehow childcare is bad for kids. That's why we refer to it as early learning education. And all of the studies show that investing, particularly from three and up, is they're the formative years of education for our children. So if we view it through the lens of early learning education and that we need to make sure all children have access to early learning education, that's the role that it plays Because it is a time where they're like a sponge. They pick up so many things. Yeah, absolutely. And so quickly. 
So finally, I wanted to ask, do you have a frugalista tip to share? Oh, look, I think for me with a family of teenagers, well, my daughter's 18 now, my son's 15. One of the things we've really, because she's also we're passionate about climate change, and that's certainly something she's encouraged us to do, is to make sure we put vegetarian meals on our menu every week. This was her idea as part of our impact on climate change. But immediately, our shopping bill has dropped. (laughs) We try to eat at least two vegetarian meals, and whether that's something like a chickpea curry or utilising eggs instead of meat. We've really focused on reducing our family food bill. And also, we hope, making a small dent in our contribution to climate change by not eating meat in every meal. Yeah, well, meat is so expensive at the moment, especially since the drought. And I understand the reasons for this. There's a lot of farmers are rebuilding their herds and their stock. So I understand why it is there. Yes, certainly as someone who used to be a vegetarian, I do like my veggies. (laughs) Don't know that my boys like them that much yet. They're still primary school age. I certainly haven't won them over with Brussels sprouts, but who knows? Brussels sprouts, I've managed to get them to eat those a little bit. But I find doing things like the chickpea curry, and Mexican-style vegetarian sort of kind of won my teenage son over. Oh, Mexican-style vegetarian. I'll have to try that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, where can our listeners find out more about YWCA Canberra? Look, if you just Google YWCA Canberra, you'll easily find our website. All of our programs are there, particularly if you want to learn more about the services we provide for people who are at risk of being homeless all people who have been experiencing family violence, they're the issues that are really coming forward in COVID. And we often know it might be a trusted friend that can help connect you to us. So even if it's not about you, it's about someone you have concerns about, you'll find all the contact information there and somebody will be happy to talk to you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And if you've liked this and other podcasts, please, I would love your help to download, share, like, and especially if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, to leave a comment. And do share with your friends as well things that you have enjoyed. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the joyful Frugalista with Serena Bird. She actually likes everybody. And of course, sound has been by Neil Hadley. You've got to accentuate the positive Eliminate the negative Latch on to the affirmative Don't mess with Mr. In-Between